Hello, what's up? Um, just happy to be here. Another episode is coming down your way. Episode 672 uh, of this podcast series called Coffee with Mirko. So happy to have you here. Um, just looking forward to our next guest, uh, John Gordon. You guys are in for a big treat. Uh, John is an amazing coffee professional and he just tuned in. Speaking of the man himself, so we'll uh, send through a request and start chatting. G'day, mate. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you traveling? Yeah, good. Good. Starting to wind down for the evening. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. And uh, has. Thank you very much for you know giving us an hour of your time and uh, coming in and having a chat with me. I really appreciate. And uh, has things ever everything been okay with you and your family with the whole pandemic situation, despite New Zealand being one of the leading countries of? Yeah, I think. Um, uh, well, unfortunately, we just we went into a lockdown again just recently. Um, so it was two weeks ago, I think. Um, it hasn't been too bad, but um, yeah, back working at home, which has been great. With um, I don't know if you can hear, but a, a nice, um, beautiful new little baby in the house. Um, I heard the news. Yes, congratulations. Yeah, so, thank you. Um, so it's actually been quite quite nice being at home. So, um, but still being extremely busy. But uh, but definitely feel every day feel very fortunate of um, uh, living in New Zealand, even though even though. Both of our families, uh, all my families in Australia, and all my um, fiance's families uh, in the states. So it does get a bit tough sometimes. Yeah, I get that. But um, yeah, at least, at least I suppose, yeah, you can enjoy your newborn and uh, have a bit of family time, even though it's limited. But yeah. that's yeah, it's interesting. Your baby is part of the uh, coronavirus babies, you know, like. Uh, it's yeah. uh, it's very interesting, um, but yeah, hopefully things will get better, especially well in New Zealand for you and Australia here. And uh, just to get things started, I suppose, could you kindly give us a bit of context and tell us a bit more about how you started your coffee journey? Um, so my coffee journey, um, it actually uh, started in Melbourne. Um, I was I was born in Melbourne. Um, uh, my family moved up to the Gold Coast um, when I was about eight years old. Um, and then in my early 20s, I moved back down to Melbourne um, for two, three years, I think it was, uh, and uh, was looking for something, uh, a different career path um, from where I was. And um, my ex-wife um, had actually gotten into coffee and... Um, she was actually uh, working at a, a small coffee roastery in Albert Park in South Melbourne. Um, and I would go along to tastings and things like that. And, um, you know, so this thing was kind of interesting. And, um, and you know, back then it was uh, St. Ali had just popped up and um, there were some interesting things going on there. You know, it was a nice place to go for um, for breakfast on the weekends and things. Um and then I was lucky enough to um, get offered a job as a barista with basically no experience um, at the at the same cafe in Albert Park um, and got thrown in the deep end and 
um, and really loved it and, you know, had gone from doing several odd years of, of night work um, to, you know, nice early mornings and, and finishing at three in the afternoon. And, um, you know, South Melbourne's beautiful. And I lived, you know, two seconds away from the, the cafe as well. So um, that whole area was my stumping ground for a while. So, and I'm on my days off um, from the working at the cafe, I would go into St. Ali and pick something on the menu and, um, and just really start to, you know, experience what, what coffee had to offer. And, and that was, um, you know, that was a, that was a big thing for me, just looking at all these weird things on a menu um, and just going, Oh, I'll try that. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. And I think it was quite lucky to, to kind of be, be exposed to really good coffees um, from the beginning. So. And I think it's, it's so beautiful and it's, it's, it just keeps coming back up on how, you know, you, coffee found you rather than the way around or well you sort of found coffee and uh, it threw you in the deep end of, of just having this massive career that you had uh, along along the years like just impressive numbers on your resumes and uh, we'll go back on to that in a minute but um i think it's interesting because it's like it, it, it's you really you, you really have transitioned from passion and turned that passion into a career I think that most people overthink that, but I think what you were doing, which was exposing yourself to beautiful coffee and just going and exploring, is pretty much what people should be doing, just like reading, learning, watching, I don't know, YouTube videos, I don't know, James Hoffman, or, or, and then eventually you can land a job and, and just grow it from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, never, um, I, ne I never went into coffee with any kind of, thought of a career. I, I knew I needed a, a, a career change um, and this was an opportunity to um, to do something that was um, I think a lot better for my, my mental health, uh, my physical health um, and um, and it was just, it was enjoyable it was something different, um, something very different and, and, and I quickly discovered that obviously there was a whole lot more to coffee and and the more and more I dived in back then, the more and more there was to to explore. And you know, everyone has that kind of aha moment, and um, and and I'm sure it's quite similar for most people. But for me, um, you know, it was it was tasting a, a Ethiopian natural coffee, um, and you know, tasting notes on it were was um, blueberries, you know. And and all of a sudden, I think I'd been tasting the same coffee over a few weeks or something, and all of a sudden there was a there's blueberries and then that was it it was just it was game over so um and to this day like um you know ethiopia has been my most favorite com country for a number of reasons in the last trip that i took uh end of 2018 um I, i've never been a super emotional person um and especially when leaving countries i've lived in you know a few countries and um you know even um you know, leaving family and things like that. Um, and this time leaving Ethiopia, again, it was a very, very different experience for me. And um, and I was sitting at the airport ready to go and just lost my mind, you know. For the first time Ooh. ever, I'm going, I'm, I'm leaving a country that, that, that I don't want to leave, that, that I'm, I know I'm going to miss. And, um, you know, it's a big, big, huge chunk of my heart it goes to Ethiopia, you know. That's that's beautiful, I think, which really goes down to that connection that coffee creates. Uh, 
it's 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 not just a beverage. It's not just a drink or a commodity. But before we kind of expand on that, I'm very interested to to ask you if you if you want to answer but that job that you were talking about. You you know that transition. What what were you doing before? Uh, I was um, I was in the security security industry for yeah for about several years. Um, anywhere from you know I started off being a bouncer in nightclubs and. Um, at a very young age, I was running a security company with a friend of mine, um, and we were doing uh, any, anything from armed escorts to you know large cash carries and uh, managing security teams at, at nightclubs or you know hotels and bars and things like that. And um, and yeah, it just got to a point where where I, I wanted to kind of um, I, I knew hospitality was kind of my thing. I enjoyed hospitality. Um, and I wanted to kind of dive more into that. So I was trying to go for different types of positions like manage, management positions and things like that in um, in different areas. Um, but no one would really look at me, even though I had an extensive resume in, um, you know, in the security side of things. Um, so there was one particular hotel I was working at at the time um, where I was running a small security team there. And... Um, I just asked the the managers there. I was like, right, I want to. I, I need to get more experience. If you if you can't kind of look at me in, in that side, kind of aspect, then I need to get more experience. So um, I would on my days off, or if there were spare hours somewhere, I was working in the um, in the liquor store that they had as well to learn more about wine and alcohol and spirits and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and then also um, doing barback work uh, when there were shifts available. Um, to learn the back end of the bar before I could go on to, you know, serving and things like that. And, um, and, and yeah, it was a, it was a, you know, a long transition. And then when I moved down to Melbourne, I managed to, um, to get a management position um, down there, but it was a, a long transition to get out of what I was doing and, and what I was just really not enjoying. Cause it's not, cause it's not easy, right? But also you touched base on a, a huge word uh, for, for me, which is mental health. And I think it, we often abuse of our physical, but also mental health heavily. Uh, things like the physical health is, you know, well, sometimes it's reversible, but there's, there's, you know, certain things you can do. Uh, but the mental health one is such a high challenge. And even there's a mental health component, even the decision of shifting because it's stressful because, where you're worried about money, where you're worried about your career or what people think about you. So I think sometimes that such a underestimated topic around careers or work or yeah. anything. And so, but without your health is just pointless what you're doing or how much you're doing or how much you're earning or making. So it's, yeah, it takes, it takes quite personality to make that move and follow, follow the passion as well. It's the second component to it. And then you sort of, started competing why was that like a natural progression for you i um i remember when i when i first started in coffee in melbourne um somehow i can't even remember how it came about um uh, my boss at the time um uh, was going to there was uh, an information night on uh, the victorian barista championships uh, i'd never heard anything about all this kind of stuff, right? So I went along and I was like, oh, yeah, I might, maybe I might have a go at, at competing. And um, 
uh, went along to this info night back then. I think um, I can't even remember what year it was, but I remember you know seeing Dave Macon there um, and and a few others and and you know saw that there was this interesting thing, but you know it was not really something for me at that time. Um, I even to this day I still struggle with you know standing up and talking in front of more than half a dozen people, you know? Um, so jumping up on stage, it, it can be quite a tough thing. So it wasn't until London um, that I started competing. Um, the first couple of years I, I was in London, I worked for an events company um, that set up coffee, mobile coffee bars uh, all around the world. Uh, well, mainly Europe and, and all around UK. Um, you know, making thousands of cups a day and, you know, you're setting up machines, breaking them down day in, day out and all that sort of stuff. And it was, uh, uh, it was a long, hard couple of years. I worked long hours, drove a lot and, and, but I got to see, you know, basically all of Europe. Um, so it was amazing to be able to, you know, have that opportunity to, to see a lot of the world. And at that point, um, I think just before I had started there, um, you know, my boss had said, you know, was talking about this, this guy, James Hoffman and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and I would, uh, you know, jump on the internet and have a look at what was available back then, which wasn't a huge amount. And, um, and, you know, he had, um, I think the year before he had actually had, uh, James had done a coaching session with Dave Macon when David won the Aussie championships. Um, and I found a whole bunch of their notes, um, on the on the pallet racking downstairs where all the machines were and everything where they had set up to do all this training and stuff um and and i got interested in it then and, and thought it was something interesting so i thought i'd, I'd have a stab at it and um that was 2009 i did the first uk Bruce championships and um just in a heat um didn't really have any idea what i was doing um and um i, I didn't do too bad in the heat um and managed to get through uh, to the semi-finals um, first time, and and I think I finished fourteenth or something that year. Um, but my first experience jumping up on stage was just horrible. It was just I was so nervous, and and yeah, it was a horrible experience. But I didn't want to let it beat me, um, so I put my hat in the ring for um, latte out competition um, because that was you know I would just. You know, that was that one thing to obsess about um, that I could do and, and with the events um, that we would do and making 1,000 cups a day, it was, you know, perfect for practicing because you're just literally, you know, doing a 1,000, you know, pours in a row. And, um, and I managed to win the, the UK Latte Art Championship that year and, and made finals in the Worlds and got sixth with some pretty shoddy Latte Art, to be, to be fair. Um, but, yeah, that was, uh, that was kind of my entry into into this thing so um and then yeah i made it you know a real kind of goal of mine to try and overcome that fear of, of jumping up and talking in front of people so we we, we check it's, it's just like you say it's not easy and i think i think it's okay also if you you know if you don't choose that path because of you know the certain obstacles you can't overcome but then there might be there's so many roles across the coffee industry, whether you want to become, uh, you know, uh, an importer or, you know, a roaster or uh, you want to just have a cafe business or you want to be a photographer that just takes photos of, you know, coffee shop business. Like, like there's so many elements to it. And, uh, 
that doesn't mean that if you don't compete, it's it's you know it's still okay. So I think um, it props to you because it takes. Even I would oh, 100%, I would struggle to jump on stage and talk to, even talking to in a microphone, forget how many people, like even yeah. hearing my own voice, it'll be like, oh God. So that's when I, when I re-listen to this podcast where I'm putting them together to put on YouTube, it's like, oh, okay, I gotta press the play button because I need to kind of get back into the zone where it was, the conversation, and uh, it's like, oh, well, that's okay. but front of a crowd it, it takes it takes balls i mean without kind of you know without being too polite about it and uh, yeah you did fantastic and and you know like i think we, we when you were talking about ethiopia for example and now competing there you must have had incredible relationships with the coffee you were working with and, you know especially throughout the years and you started building more and more relationships hence how emotional your last trip was in Ethiopia. I mean, I think we often give coffee for granted and we forget the many people behind it, you know? Not just, you know, pickers, farmers, but even even simply the person, you know, John and Jennifer walking through the coffee shop, uh, picking up their lattes on their, you know, uh, weekend run. Um, because maybe for a few years we did focus on the cup and the milk, which is fine, but do you think that people is something that we let a little bit on the side, but it's actually something that we should bring back in into the picture? 100%. We, we, we and especially, um, and I'm going to throw specialty coffee in the deep end here, um, not that the other parts of the industry don't do the same, um, but we, we're very good at, at forgetting the, the people or, you know, really... Um, forgetting about whether it's the people that are directly um, surrounded by us or, or we are surrounding, you know, ourselves with, or, um, you know, especially for me anyway, right down to the, the, the producers, obviously, we're, we're really forgetting the, the, hum, the human as, aspect of, of coffee um, and, and what it takes to get there. And when you try and communicate that to people about, um you know, about what it takes um, to, you know, to produce that one espresso or that one filter coffee, you know. Um, I did an interesting talk in uh, in Montreal a couple of years back, um, a couple of years ago, um, where I kind of broke down, you know, the basics of, of what it takes, you know, the amount of cherries and, and whatnot, break everything down to make one espresso. Um, and when you look at the number of the, the things and you backtrack everything, um, based on on averages, um, and you you can't try and get people to look at things in in a different light. Um, it it starts to to get people to think, you know, and and that that there there's such a manual process in the beginning of of our industry um, that it takes humans to do it, and and the conditions that majority of those humans are in are appalling. Yeah, we're, we're sitting on the other, you know, in, in our first world countries, um, you know, sipping our, our, our drinks and, and doing whatever. And, and, you know, we have roofs over our heads and electricity and all that kind of jazz. And I got and we, air conditioning right here. <laughs> air conditioning, yeah. I've got, I've got the heater on right now. The heater, um, yeah. And, you know, I have literally three screens in front of four screens in front of me right now. 
Um, and, you know, we are exceptionally privileged and, and we forget that very easily, too easily. Yeah. Too easily. And I think that, ironically, you know, because I receive questions or emails asking how can we do it, how can we help. And look, there's been obviously a zillion parts of conversations. Uh, where I always get back to is the fact that whether we like it or not, it's about what we can control and not, which often it is our own individual's choices and behavior, but also conversations. So it really starts from the people, the change. So it is the one-on-one -on -one conversation that you have with a friend who doesn't know much. I remember clearly uh, I went to this friends of mine house and he, you know, he offered me a cup of coffee on his, you know, kind of one of those uh, machines that you buy in JB Hi-Fi. And, and I would have said yes, but then he pulled out this bag of coffee. So I'm not going to say where it was. And I was like, okay. I said, look, let's just go back to my place and let's just, I want, I want you to try something different. And I just made a very simple error press with nothing, you know, nothing. It wasn't 90 plus. It wasn't nothing. He lost his mind how good it was. And then we started a very simple conversation, which wasn't a preach. It was more the minute that someone is interested and question, that's the minute that you, you, you know, you can actually express yourself and they will listen rather than preaching or pushing too hard because otherwise they'll be like, oh, I don't want to hear it. Um, so I think, I think that's the other aspect. I think it's one-on-one -on -one conversations and individual choices. Uh, same as the environment. I mean, uh, what you buy has <laughs> a certain amount of steps from, <laughs> from the conception to, to, to all the way to your package. So how much package is involved, but also how many kilometers, how, many, uh, how much emissions, how much water, electricity, and resources were used for 100 grams of beans, beef, tofu, bananas, like everything has. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's such a people center. And coffee is hospitality, which is people, 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 people. Yeah, and, and we've, we've done, on, on this side of the industry, we've, we've done such a great job at alienating people by going, here are these ridiculously phenomenally tasting coffees that are insanely expensive and and going this is specialty coffee but the the majority of the consumers are so used to um something you know completely different and, and we're sitting here going this is specialty coffee but it's that's not just specialty coffee there's there's such a, a wide range and 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 even pushing specialty coffee aside, um, for, for me in the last year and a half or so, or two years um, of exposing myself to, you know, subspecialty coffees um, or, you know, just on the, just on the cusp and, and actually roasting them and, and playing around with them um, with a completely different mindset, kind of realizing that there's, you know, there, there are, there is a huge bank of these coffees that, if we just actually roast, you know, treat them well, um, they're actually more approachable to your average customer to to be able to get them to understand, oh, there can be a different quality of coffee. It has to be a stepping stone. You can't go from zero to 100 miles and expect somebody to just lap it up and, and get all excited about it. And, um, you know, there's going to be, you know, 
you know, one in a hundred people that are maybe going to get that excited about that kind of extreme. Um, and I think we, and, and then again, that comes back to the whole hum, human aspect of it, right? We, you know, a lot of these, um, a lot of producers, you know, they'll have their specialty coffee farms or, you know, their, their experimental farms and, and things like that. But then they'll also have other farms that are their higher volume, uh, maybe higher yielding varietals that are maybe not as good a quality. Um that are bringing them in their the money to hopefully survive. Um, and, and I think we, we, we devalue that, that process um, and, and, and financially devalue that, that product way too easy. So yeah, there's, a, there's a lot more that we can do there. Like I, I'm, you know, I've had a few conversations with, um, with some producers about, like I, I want to know more about um, there, there's one particular producer from uh, Panama. Um, he does amazing, like phenomenal, beautiful coffees. Um, but he's got a farm that's sitting at a thousand meters. And I'm like, I want to taste that. I want to taste that. I want to see what that is. And I want to see if there's an opportunity for us to, to work on um, improving that cup score to, to be able to improve, hopefully, the, the, the price that he can fetch for that coffee. Because um, that's going to be the thing that keeps his businesses going, you know. So. Because that's exactly why it's important having these conversations. Because it's such a fragile situation out there for many producers, for many, even to a degree, you know, like even cafes in oversaturated markets like Melbourne, it is a fragile element out there, and I think that trying to do what you're doing, even for this last example, is just uh, much needed uh, because then you can have more conversations and, you know, if, if you can now fill up a couple of containers extra a year because all of a sudden uh, there's a way for it. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's interesting how humans help other humans and that's really what it comes down to. And I agree, look, we, we can't, with my friend example, I didn't take him from zero to 100. It was, you know, taking him from 60 to 75. Um, but there was already an interest because we're friends. We, we talk and he just never been into coffee. And all of a sudden he asked questions. How can I drink a black? I want to stop using milk because, you know, I'm going towards this diet choice. And I said, well, you need to start to choose a different style of roasting because otherwise it's going to be quite big and quite bitter that, that that really what boils down to without going too scientific we're not going to you know don't worry about my fancy scale i got that because i'm, I'm lucky don't worry about the grinder like it's like you just go to and i gave him a list of coffee shops or roasters where it's online or if you want to walk up and buy it yourself it's it's in your five kilometer radius because you know of the lockdown um and that's sort of what he sparked up and now he calls me from time to time, you know, and he's like, man, I'm running out of beans. What should I get next? I'm like, I don't know. Well, what did you like the most out of the last one? You know, and then we can, you know, simplifying the dictionaries also probably yeah. important. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's another great thing that, that specialty coffee that, that we've done, you know, is, is alienate people by, um, you know, coming up with these, you know, pocket science, like, theories and and not even really theories just very very rudimentary processes and things like that um and 
you know, there's very little real, I believe anyway, there's very little real science in, in coffee that's been done. And what has been done is actually, you know, contradicted so much that we've done in coffee in the last 10, 20 years um, that that we we need to do more actual, like real science and, and, and understand things more because we're, we're literally just kind of throwing these random things out there. Everyone's doing it. Everyone has their own opinions and things like that. And that's basically what it is. It's opinions. It's not, there, there is no, no, there is very, very, very few people out there actually doing real science out there to understand what we're doing. Um, and, and so we're great at coming up with all these methods that, that we believe are, you know, should be textbook. And this is the only way to do this. And this is the only way to do that. Um, and anything else is, is basically shit. Um, whereas we're, we're based on our whole industry is based on, um, the reality is it's subjective taste and, and everyone, everyone grows up differently regionally. Um, and, and the sensory development is so different that we, not everyone's going to like the same thing and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. You know, if, if everyone liked the same thing, then we'd be screwed basically, um, and, and and this kind of leads me into that, you know, looking at the other end of the industry and then those kind of lower quality coffees, um, you know, there's a huge home for them. And, and the same goes for, um, you know, bigger business as well, um, corporate businesses and things like that. I think we, there's opportunities there where we can, specialty coffee can actually help corporate businesses change their mentalities and their, their, their practices and their um, and the way they do things that can actually have a massive effect on our industry, a positive, massive, positive effect on our industry. If it's done right, um, there's opportunity there, but we, especially coffee is great at, at looking at, at, um, corporate or, or big business and, and frowning upon it. Um, yet where, you know, specialty coffee companies don't realistically have the financial backing to, to be able to do all these scientific experiments or, you know, or fund, um, you know, processing stations or, um, you know, things like that. Um, unless you're getting into a bigger kind of process and, and you look at the work that project uh, companies like Project Origin do um, with many, many producers and communities um, and, and they build that into their pricing structure, which is fantastic because then it's, it, it makes it possible to be able to do more. Um, but there's more we can do. And, and it'll, going, going back to your, your original thing, you know, it's it comes down to people and then getting in front of as many people as you can and, and having these conversations and and basically let's stop bullshitting each other really and um let's start to look after our industry uh, word like you're the second person actually um that has quite made a remark around the commercial world and uh, the other person the sake of the reference, I think he's probably online, it's Andre, Andre Ayerman, and uh, it really hit me hard when he said a couple of things around uh, bigger corporations, because then ultimately it would actually help the entire movement if they started buying in a certain different way, certain different coffees, then actually, if we really have the best interest of farmers, you know, what, what ultimately comes down to volume, it, 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 it comes down to volume. Whether we like it or not, it comes down to volume. 
Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, it was it was interesting. I think that's where the conversation started to go. And my hope, I said this a couple of times, but my hope is the coronavirus has pushed many people to brew more coffees than ever at home. Um, I, I have a customer who's a coffee roaster and their online sales are 800% up. That's a ridiculous number. Like, like, like if you put it in perspective, that's like a stupid number. Um, and um, I'm hoping that will play as an element like people have treated food if from Melbourne, you know, like when MasterChef started, so more and more people are getting into the cooking show and they're like talking and they're really interested because ultimately, going back to how you stumbled across coffee was you, you were lucky to be close to a person who was already in it. And your curiosity was like starting. And once you got that curiosity element, that's when you start looking and doing what you were doing. And we're like, okay, today I said I'll leave. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink that. And then it's like, oh the blueberry um and and then i hope that people will start appreciating more their you know uh, local barista that they go to every day or every you know they used to go to every day because now they understand that they they struggle to make a good cup of coffee um and then to spark more and more conversations and hopefully because of lockdown there's going to be a craving of connection and maybe that craving of connection will allow to open up more and more conversations like we were just talking about. And it's a, it's a slow burner, one conversation at a time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's you know, that, that craving, um, it'll definitely come back. And, and like you're saying, you know, hopefully people will be sitting there going, well, hang on a second, how, how are they doing that? And then so when that, that opportunity does come up again, that conversation starts up. It's like, well, I, for the last however many months, I've been trying to make this coffee at home and I just can't do it. How are you doing? What's going on? Like, like you know, and and then I guess consumers, I hope consumers will become a little bit more acceptance or accept, like a little bit more kind of of our geekery, right? So, and but we still have to be careful as well because at the same time, we've all been, you know, bundled up and, and we're, you know, ready to, to burst with all of this stuff that um, we've been experimenting with over lockdown. Um, you know, we have to be careful and, and, and approach it right and, and, you know, kind of feed this new curiosity um, and, and see how far we can push it, you know. So yeah. there, there's a huge opportunity here once hopefully we get out of it, you know. Mm -hmm. I definitely lost track of time because uh, the conversation has been flowing so well and but this is a we, we five minutes past the halfway mark, and uh, uh, there's a ritual question, the out of the box question that I ask everybody, and I hope you're prepared. Um, if you could, who would you like to have dinner with? Uh, it can be anyone; doesn't have to be coffee. Literally any person, alive or not, it's your dinner. Who? Um. Oh, that's a that's a real tough one. You know what? To be honest, um, actually, no, it's not tough um, because it's a recent thing that came up, and and, and I've had this kind of uh, interesting conversation with with Kirk Pearson on on his podcast. Was um, you know 
back in my in my high school days, um, I wanted to uh, essentially was trying everything that I could to be a professional basketball player. So, um, you know, back then my my heroes were like Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman, and Charles Barkley, and and, and the likes of that. And I, I would I would love to have dinner with Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, that would be a last dance. Completely yeah. non non coffee and <laughs> yeah, that would be nice to yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have you have you actually, even though it's a bit off the, have you watched the Netflix whatever series, the the Last the Dance? Thing. Yeah, because yeah. it, it that whole timeline like really took me back to those days of when I, I was, you know, breathing, eating, sleeping, playing basketball. Um, you know, all throughout my teens, seven days a week, morning, lunch, evening. Um, and you know, I would stay up late and watch whatever games I could, and um, and things like that. So every week that I was watching the Last Dance for me, just it was it, like extremely emotional for me to to kind of just have that reminder of though that whole process, and then see what was going on in the back end of all of those things that were um, that was happening throughout all those those years of of basketball. So. Um, yeah. What I liked about it, what I liked about it the most is that it doesn't matter whether you like even sport, you know, not, not just whether you like basketball, sport in general. I think that a lot of people would enjoy watching it, even if they hate sport. Um, just It was just more than just basketball. It was just, there's a lot of psychology, there's a lot of personality, biography, and uh, Basketball was just one element, and I, and I'm hoping that going back to coffee, you know, basketball was MJ's fixation, passion. Like it was just, you know, like that. That's what it was, um, and what it is, not what it was, what it is. And I think when people find that passion and they got that fire, I think things start to tick in a different way, a different pace. And I hope that if someone watches. A movie about coffee. I know there's been a few uh, recent releases, or or read a book, or listen to someone uh, like your podcast with, with Kirk, or or here, or anywhere else. It's just I hope that anyone can enjoy some stories, and it's about storytelling. And going back to one of the topics you brought up, I think to give justice to the beautiful people and humans around coffee, there's a there's a much needed. Storytelling about cutting the bullshit, like you said, and as long as there's consent, because uh, it's something very important. I think that it's easy just to pick a quick snap and just slap it everywhere else, but without asking uh, the person. But then, if I found my face on, I don't know, some, I don't know, some weird, I don't know, some countries around the world in a, in a giant poster saying, uh, I don't know, something around caps, I'd be like, oh. I can't remember someone asking me for that picture. But I think storytelling is essential. And uh, I think that we human, I think there's a more chance for John and Jennifer, uh, you, John, uh, uh, Jake and Jennifer to connect with uh, a producer story because it's more relatable. It's humans rather than cherry, cola, Jaffa cake, coffee. And you should be able to pick all of those. And I, and I think it's um, 
when you see companies like, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep using Honor Coffee as a, the, the example because I, I, I know so many of the people there and, and, and the business quite well um, and, and Project Origin. Um, when you see companies like that really, really like utilizing that um, or bridging that connection between producer and, um, and consumer, they're doing it in such a great way um, the communication side of it, but then they're also backing it up with like, there's so much more that goes on behind the scenes that, are, that I'm sure a lot of people don't really know um, that goes back to the, the producers. It's not a case of exploitation. It's, it's, you know, there, there's a, you know, people are essentially being rewarded or paid um, for what they're worth and, and the effort that they're putting in. And, um, and, and I, I get, I, I kind of, it upsets me a lot when you see um, companies, whether it be specialty companies or, or corporate companies, that um, leverage off that exact same thing, but have, haven't haven't done the groundwork, haven't done the 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 real the real kind of back end work in 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 I believe being able to um, utilize that space. Um, they're just going. You know, from whoever they're getting their, their green from, just send me information, send me photos and, and blah, 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 and, and then kind of putting all this stuff, uh, using it as, as marketing material to sell their product. Um, and, and it's kind of, you know, it's, it's upsetting a bit when you see people kind of taking that above and beyond. Um, and then you see people that go above and beyond um, to be able to make sure that a, a a producer's story is told and told in such a beautiful way and and that there is a, a true relationship there um, that's being built and, and that, that relationship is, is really being pushed so that there is uh, a, a benefit to the producer and, and the community surrounding it as well. Yeah, and I, and I swear to that, I think that, you know, of course, you know, there's, a certain amount of people who can't go to origin for uh, you know a number of reasons but i think that with certain producers not everyone has access to internet at origin and they get it but there's no reason why it cannot be done a what we are doing right here right now uh, or or a quick you know like, like whether it's a podcast format where is written format written is you know it's always been tricky because it's not uh, you know, the evidence of, okay, that conversation happened. But yeah. even having a half an hour live stream, whichever platform it is, if you can't reach Arjun, would tell the story because then the producer, him or herself, uh, would be able to tell their story. I know there's obviously where it's possible, where, there's a, where there is not a huge English barrier obviously there's a lot of components i get it but where it's possible i think that's another format i think that that's where you know we demonize social media we demonize technology but that's where they come in handy uh, because then you can give a voice to someone if they're able to whether it's their son because they're studying english or whether it's themselves and they speak a little bit of it i think that could be uh, that could be maybe a, a way a different way to, to sort of... bridging that gap and, and and it's the only way that we can actually do things now because we you know the, yeah. the, the world can basically or can't basically travel so 
you know, this is the perfect opportunity to be able to to utilize these platforms to to bridge that gap in a in a really really beautiful way. Um, I, I I have the, the last couple of months, especially you know, a lot of conversations with a few producers that I know, um, you know, and seeing videos of some of the devastation. In, in certain areas and things like that, or just having the general conversation of, you know, how are things going, how have things been affected and, um, you know, what can, you know, what can be done or a simple conversation of, um, I was speaking with uh, another producer, it was probably about two months ago now, um, and she asked if, if I knew anyone that would be interested in, and she's got, I think she had 10, 10 boxes of, uh, of this particular coffee and she wanted to move it and things like that. And, and I'm like, well, I'll, buy, I'll buy some. Um, and, you know, and, and being able to have those connections and, and um, in the end I ended up buying two coffees and they're, they're on their way um, from El Salvador um, just for me, for my little kind of hobby roasting. And, and I had launched my, my what was going to be my competition coffees um, online to, to be able to sell and, and put them out there and, and communicate those things. And, um, you know, it's those, those platforms that if they, they weren't there, um, I, I wouldn't be able to, to have these conversations with them. Two, two producers, one I've known for, for about 10 years, um, another one I've known for about eight years and, and one more recently the last couple of years. So, um, you know, being able to have those conversations so quickly or, you know, looking at experimental processing and, and, you know, testing certain things and stuff like that. And, um, you know, there's, there's opportunity there to, to really kind of, you know, make, make use of, of these platforms as much as possible. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think uh, it's, it's, it's been lovely uh, talking to you about these topics. Uh, it's just uh, uh, I love hearing your insights and what you have to say. It's been, it's been flying the time, but uh, barely read any of these questions but, uh, maybe i read one <laughs> uh, which, is, which is which is the best one i think which is the best way to do it, in my opinion i'll rather a more uh, flowy kind of conversation but um something i really kind of have interest in asking you because i think uh, it's a very important question i think even moving forward this is beneficial for many people hospitality it's far from perfect, even pre-COVID. Um, if you could change one thing, what would that be? Um, one thing. Um, I mean, this is going to be a very broad answer, but we, we've been really realistically... And, and I want to focus more so on cafes here. Um, we've been doing the same thing for like 20 years. Cut, cut, paste, cut, paste, cut, paste, cut, paste. Someone just break the mold. Like it's, there, there are ways of doing it. Um, and, and I know a lot of, a lot of it is, well, you know, it works here. So let's just do the same and, and it should work. And for the most part it does. Um, but now, you know, post COVID we're actually, we have to do things differently. Um, cafes that have been doing the same thing over and over again for, for the last 20 years, it's not going to work any longer. 
don't don't try and fight the you know do the hard slog and, and end up losing your business because this this is all you know that you you've done it this way for the last however many decades or however many years that you've been doing it and and it's going to continue to work that way it's not that's just that's fact it's not we have to break the mold um break the mold and innovate do something new what do you got to lose because if you don't we're you know we, we need to adapt because if this continues on and we keep going in and out and in and out, in and out of lockdowns we, we need to figure out a way to continue life because we can't just keep locking everything down and and expecting that everything's going to be okay yeah so we need to figure out how, how to adapt we have to adapt and and I love, now, then we're screwed i'm so, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very humble Hey. Same with roasteries. Ro- roasteries need to same thing. Same, same, same. Everyone's doing the same, same. You know, so and so's got that machine, so I'm just going to get that machine as well, and and you know, just do these generic profiles, same packaging, blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff. No. I, 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 it's 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 a humbling how much I resonate with this topic because uh, it's something that I've said before a bit, but, but, but I love what you said also about the if you work there. Don't be afraid, like, like it can work here kind of conversation. But I think there's such a fear of copying, but it's not copying because you give it your spin, your mission, your values. With it. I mean, I know I shouldn't drop names, but it's like recently uh, a coffee roaster in, in Melbourne, they just, uh, they just put out their roastery, uh, a vending machine. And in the vending machine is coffee bags. I know you, you probably know who it is. And I was like, Fuck yeah! Like, 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 it doesn't matter where it's gonna make a million dollar or where it's gonna. It's just like, even though I've seen it at, at Mice done by another coffee roastery because it was convenient for them at Mice because they were understaffed. And I was like, oh yeah, that's clever, and that was like two years ago. But still, they did it, and I was like, yeah, we need this. We need innovation, and I think it's just important that. We look at that, whether it's machinery, where it's packaging, where is the concept, where is the ideas and, and I think that you're right, it's been it's been the same for twenty years and I've had unfortunate there's a beautiful, beautiful shop where I live and it's uh, they only cook what I what I eat in terms of my diet choice and lifestyle and uh, I really like them, you know, the lovely people. And a couple of times the first lockdown I've asked the owner, I'm like, Oh, I've noticed that you don't have any ordering apps like like to order food and it's just people have to call you like yeah you know we don't like the idea that they take this much percentage and in my head because i can't tell them what to do and i don't want to tell them what to do but in my head i was like yeah but then you'll be able to spread the word and eventually tony will realize that if they call you directly they will save five dollar fee but now they found you so they might call you next week without using uber like it but that's just basics. That's not even. But there's people yeah, it's also playing up that balance of, of that that um, that uh, commission percentage. So, so you either you either you know take that that hit of the commission percentage, or you take nothing at all home. So it's kind of like well, you know, and and, and on that note, you know, the platforms for that kind of stuff are uh, are actually a lot more available and, and user friendly now and, and quickly developed. Um, you know, I can, I can 
and I've done it in the last few months just as an uh, as a example for somebody of going in 90 minutes I set up an online shop 90 minutes so there, there's no excuse anymore um, and it's just you know getting your costings right building building that that percent um, that commission percentage into your cost yeah I, I, I love it, it I, yeah. and I think I Mate Bryden is saying that he's hitting it because we're unfortunately running out of time, but it will be engaging experiences that get people out of their homes. And I think it's beautifully said. I'll leave you with that uh, to, to, to unpack. We've got about seven minutes and Instagram is quite cutthroat and they're going to chop it and give us 30 <laughs> seconds. I'm telling you, we got seven minutes. Uh, I, think, I think it's correct. And uh, I'll leave it with you. I think it's beautifully said. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely there. We need to, you know, but in that engaging experience, we still need to adapt the, mm -hmm. the cafe environment to be able to deliver that engaging experience. It can be done. It's, it's not an impossible impossible feat. We just need to to do things differently. Yeah, yeah. I think engaging can be done in many ways virtually. We, you and I are engaging, we, we're just connecting, uh, but there's no reason why a coffee roaster couldn't have, that's something that I'm planning to do on my page, but that's different. And if people copy, that's fine, it doesn't matter, but I'm sure that someone else has done it, but a huge Zoom call and you just sip in coffee and you just introduce yourself as like, hey, my name is Mark and I'm drinking this and I brew it with an AeroPress, next. You know, I mean, James Hoffman did the largest uh, worldwide virtual cupping, you know, like that's engaging. So I think there's uh, there's ways, there's ways. And building a shop in 90 minutes made me smile because uh, there's a, unfortunately a customer of mine that couldn't keep their shop open because they were in the CBD and they went from 100 kilos a week to virtually three. Um, and their landlord wasn't fortunately accommodating and they said, no, we're not going to give you a reduction. And they had to just pretty much shut and uh, and I did try as I look, you know, I'll, I'll do it for free. Like I'll still, still do the social media marketing, but you need to build up some because you got such beautiful customers are loyal to you and they'll buy the, your own homemade peanut butter with your sticker on it. And you know, it's like, and yeah, unfortunately it's uh, like you said, it takes 90 minutes, but we need, yeah. it's an interesting topic. I think we got, we got a room for, you know, do a second, <laughs> A second session, you and I, and have another <laughs> chat. <laughs> we could get out for a while. Look, I'll just want to leave you with one last question, uh, just yep. because it's the last question that I always ask people. Uh, what's what's next on your planet, uh, COVID or not COVID? What's sort of next for you? And uh, um, you know, what's your mission? And then I'll let you go because we've got four minutes. Uh, to be honest, I think I, I've put so much into coffee and, and into other people's businesses um, that I think next for me is, is focus on family. Um, yeah. And then hopefully be able to see the, the rest of the family at some point in life. But um, with the new baby in the house, it's, um, that's, that's priority number one. Um, which in the past, you know, coffee's coffee's been number one. So, um, yeah, sorry, coffee. Uh, no, no, coffee. that's <laughs> well. You go back to to a human. There you go. 
the humans of your family your priority that's 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 fantastic and that uh, i I've, yeah i feel like i haven't haven't been a human for you know a, a good 15 years so yeah thank you for sharing that and uh, uh yeah i'm feeling super super lucky and privileged to have had the chance to have this share this conversation with you and this connection i think uh, uh i would really would love to perhaps do something else next time but still talk and maybe whether you want to introduce something that you're doing where is a product or a coffee or whether you want to share maybe we could do we could share a story of one of your producers friends where you just you know kind of yeah, argue amazing, yeah. channel maybe we could do something like that uh, something to think about and you know just we'll keep in touch and maybe in a month or two whatever we just yeah that could be actually could be good idea and you could kind of be their voice yeah that would be interesting actually yeah but we need a little bit of planning for that we need a little bit of, yeah a few a few consensual pictures and all of that but um, look <laughs> you, you uh, thank you man i'm really grateful you go and enjoy your your evening time with your family and uh, i look forward to 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 meet up again and uh, maybe in person one day <laughs> if it's allowed yeah, and, uh, yeah. thanks man i really appreciate it uh, also, also thank you to yourself for you know doing all of these um, you know live casts and everything with with all of the all of the coffee people and everything and you know people like yourself and, and Kirk and others that are doing all this sort of stuff it's a you know connection the people so it's uh, it's definitely appreciated in these times i'm sure by you know many many people around the world so thank you Thank you. No, thank you. And uh, yeah, well, uh, we'll chat soon. I'll, I'll shoot you a message later uh, in a minute. Awesome. All right. Thank, thank you, you, brother. Bye. Uh, there you have it, guys. I was. Um, I'm, I'm very speechless just because I, you don't see my screen, but I have about I don't know, twenty four questions and. Uh, I just loved how it just flowed and uh, it just felt like John was just on the other side of the table and um, it, it was very interesting to hear uh, his insights, it was very interesting to hear what he had to say um, and uh, how, how real he kept it um, and yeah, just I'm I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I have um, and thanks Brydon for that comment, Vag, um, all the people that are still here, of course, um, you know, Glenn and uh, Nadir and Dylan and uh, Boy Babski, Coffee Addict, uh, thank you for being here. Instagram has been playing up with me uh, the last few weeks, but that's okay, we'll leave it. Uh, it's an annoying app and this will be available on the podcast, of course, on Spotify and all the other platforms and YouTube. And the point is just what John said, it's just about connection. Where is one person listening or uh, you know how many they connect how many they'll finish the episode it, it doesn't matter it's, it's just about doing it and uh, adding value to that one person even if it's myself that i had the chance to have this chat and use my brain in a different way and be uh, mentally intellectually and emotionally stimulated i think it's incredibly valuable so big thanks to, to all of you listening about big thanks to to john of course to, be able to give us an hour of his time and uh, yeah i will update soon for next week guests um we've got no many left for this week uh, next week we go back to three and uh, yeah uh, i'm working out hard on the behind scene on the project so um i i'm really 
<laughs> um, you know, it's like it's very, very difficult because I'm juggling two projects, but uh, you will know soon uh, what I'm working on. But I got 20 seconds left on the timer. Uh, thank you, Los Cafés de la Riero. Very, very uh, glad to see you. Uh, Bruce Shark and all of you. Love you all. Send you much love and positivity and uh, take care. Stay safe and reach out if you need anything. Really, reach out to me anytime. I uh, love you all. Ciao.